Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Before we begin, the Grandel Wrestling Podcast would like to salute our partners who make all this possible. First, the St. Louis Kings of the Calzones, sauce on the side in the Grove. You can't go wrong with the Pancho Villa or one of their dessert calzones. There is an art to this dish, and there is one master artist of the calzone, sauce on the side, dine-in, carry-out, or delivery. We'd also like to welcome the newest member of our family, the Southwest Diner, serving up diner staples and foods of the American Southwest. Southwest Diner has been a favorite of locals and visitors alike since 2012. If you're into the classics, you can't go wrong with the biscuits and homemade sausage gravy. You like spice? Dig into Jonathan's famous fiery scramble. They also do an excellent smash burger. You gotta check it out. The crispy edges are amazing. Now offering delivery, curbside pickup, and a brand spanking new patio. There are plenty of safe and enjoyable ways to get your Southwest Diner fix. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Grandel Wrestling Podcast. Ben Simon here with one of St. Louis's best. Hey, nothing's different. I'm here with the one and only American Wolf, Davey Richards, the captain of Team Ambition. No, no, welcome, no, no, sir. No, no. Not the captain, just part of the team, but thank you for having me. There's so many shows in the area where these guys are like, hey, put representing Team Ambition in yes. my intro. And that's pretty cool. Uh, tell us, what is Team Ambition? Uh, the... The genesis of it was a formation between me, uh, Tony Kazina, and Kyle O'Reilly years ago. <laughs> I can't put a number on it. And it was just, we took the road less traveled in wrestling. We, we came up the hard way. We, we traveled this country, I don't know how many times over. We, we paid our dues. The, the way the people that we respected came before us, you know, the guys from the NWA and so forth. So we had the ambition to come from not great circumstances uh, growing up to having this common goal of making it, you know, not, not for money or fame, just to uh, purpose that purpose in life. And, um, and then, you know, we went our separate ways. I went to um, <clears throat> impact wrestling and then chased um, the, the medical <clears throat> side of things. Tony went to New Zealand and became a, a coach for an affiliate of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And Kyle, as you know, got signed to NXT. And it, it kind of dissolved. And when I was finally wanting to return to professional wrestling, I needed some place to go and train. And, you know, all I knew was that Michael Elgin had a school in St. Louis. And I told my wife, I was like, yeah, I'll go down there and get a workout. And then... We, we worked out a couple times and they're like, Hey, do, do you want to be the trainer? And then I found out the whole, you know, backstory with what happened with, with Mike and, um, some controversy, <laughs> uh, whatever, but you're training now you're, you're training <clears throat> young upstarts and some guys yep. who are already on the top of St. Louis wrestling. And right now that's team ambition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, you know, I presented like, Hey, I had this concept for, for my team and, you know, I'd like to bring that forward and they were all for it. And I think we really found each other at the right time. You know, I, I really needed them and they really needed me. And it's just been very organic, you know, and we have, 
such an array of talent, you know, but everyone's talented in their own field, you know, it's you know, Moses, you know, Apollo wrestles nothing like Raheem, who wrestles nothing like Outlaw, who wrestles nothing like Warhorse, and but yet they're all just absolutely incredible and um it's uh it's, it's I don't know, I don't I don't want to be all, you know, over the top, but it's like it's like watching my children grow, you know. I just went and saw Tootie in NWA and I'm like I'm not crying. You're crying. Yeah. And just seeing like Outlaw win the title and seeing Warhorse debut in MLW, I just um, I, I am very proud of them. There's a lot of special moments, indeed. Absolutely. Now you got involved in wrestling training the first time. I understand in your early 20s, but you have a background in jujitsu. Is that right? Yeah. I uh, I mean, wrestling has been my entire life. You know, that's why you know, when I came back to wrestling, I had a really good job, you know, at a fire department and, uh, you know, just graduated with my, um, pre-medical degree. But what people didn't understand who thought I was crazy for going back to wrestling was wrestling is my life's work. You know, I've been wrestling since I was 10 years old, you know, from a long, long history of amateur wrestling to jujitsu, to, you know, catch wrestling to professional wrestling. It's wrestling has been, you know, my, my entire life, as you can tell by my stellar looks with my ears and everything. So, but, uh, you know, and that, and it has to end my way. So that was my, uh, story of coming back into it and and training people and training myself. Why did you choose to get into pro wrestling versus MMA? I know MMA was really blowing up whenever you first started training. Uh, not so much when I was training. So, well, it's, it's funny how this, it's funny that I actually just wrestled Suzuki. Uh, so <clears throat> he was the guy that got me into professional wrestling. Uh, he also fought MMA too, right? Yeah. Pancrase. So, um, I was a collegiate wrestler. I went to college on a wrestling scholarship and, uh, they, 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 uh, so Washington state cut all amateur wrestling for a period of four or five years, but it was my second year in college. And, you know, going from full ride scholarship to now you got to pay was like, oh, man. So I did what any dumb kid would do. And I was like, oh, I'll just go back later. So later turned into about 20 years. But so I'm back on the farm in Washington. And I'm like, man, what am I going to do? And so I saw this uh, TV show, Tough Enough. And, I, and these guys are puking and they couldn't run three miles. And I'm like, man, I could do this. I used to watch this when I was a kid. Because I had never seen WWF. Now, this is back in 01, the original Tough Enough. Yeah. I, so I, I, had, uh, I, I had never seen WWF growing up. I saw NWA, and I saw some um, world class. And, uh, but where I, what I primarily saw when I was a kid was Stampede Wrestling and Pacific Northwest Wrestling, which is very sport-oriented. So when I started getting back into it in, like, 2000, 2001, you know, I, I was very turned off by what I saw, uh, of then WWF. And so my buddy, he's like, no, you got to see like this Japanese pro wrestling. I was like, okay. And then he showed me Pancrase and it was Suzuki versus Frank Shamrock. And I was just blown away. And I was like, this is pro wrestling. Like, oh man, sign me up. So, uh, so then I went and trained with Paul Orndorff and it wasn't quite like Pancrase, but, um, it was, but he was very sports oriented as well, which is what I needed. Cause if I had gotten into it and it was very, character driven I, I would have been turned off by that so so pancrase actually um is what got me into professional wrestling now pancrase is for those not in the know it's 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 pro wrestling to the point where it looks like actual fights but it's worked right 
Uh, well, that is the point of debate. If you ask any guys who fought in Pancrase, <laughs> they will look at you with uh, a very stern eye. But, um, well, so pro wrestling originated with real wrestlers making money. And that's why, you know, like catch wrestlers, shoot wrestlers, you know, St. Louis's own Luthez was, a, you know, not only legit, but absolutely feared. And, um, and that carries on with people like Minoru Suzuki and uh, people who are professional wrestlers, but very legitimate wrestlers. And, and I, you know, I take a lot of pride in carrying on uh, that lineage of, you know, I, I'm here to make money, but I am a legitimate athlete. And I instill that into my, into my students. A love for wrestling history. Mad respect there. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of a kind. Uh, what brought you to St. Louis, though, uh, being mm-hmm. from Washington State? Uh, cause you've been here for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. This is home now. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm, you know, I was born in the Pacific Northwest. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest. Um, there's a certain calm from my mountains and weather like today in St. Louis, the rain. I love it. My wife hates it, but, uh, I, I came here. Oh, you guys are going to get me sleeping on the couch tonight. I came here for a girl. Who, who I'm not currently married to, but uh, married to the love of my life. Let me just put that so I can always sleep in my own bed tonight. But uh, <laughs> I, owned a, I owned a wrestling school. So I had traveled and lived everywhere. I had lived in Japan because I went back through the dojo system. I would lived in Charlotte, uh, Philadelphia, Los Angeles. And uh, I was back home in Washington, and I owned a wrestling school, uh, me and Tony Casino. And it was going great. And... And one day this, this, this beautiful woman walks in and I'm like, you know, and she was dressed very professionally. I'm like, what are you? I want to be a pro wrestler. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't think you do. (laughs) You know? And she's like, yeah, I'm an aeronautical engineer at Boeing. And I'm like, why do you want to fall down for a living? And, uh, so anyway, so we, you know, and I, I'm so embarrassed to say this, but I did the creepy trainer thing, and but respectfully, <laughs> but I respect. It worked out though, right? I, well, it, well, in, in the long run, yeah. But I respectfully asked her out, and I was just so I was like, but if you say no, like, you know, the training's still the same, you know, blah blah blah. Yeah. And, and so, but oh my god, I'm such a creep. But, um, anyways, it worked out, and so she was from St. Louis. Is that Christy Summers? There you go. Former, she was a worldly wrestling uh, yeah. wrestler, right? Yeah, that was me and her were married. Um, so um, we, uh, so she would have moved to Washington, or I could have moved to St. Louis. And at that time, I was raised with my grandparents. And my grandparents had both died. So um, it, it, I, like, I have nothing left in Washington, and her family was all over here. Um, so uh, we 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 moved here. Um, or I moved here, she already lived here, and to Soulard. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I've been here ever since. I, I, there was times I thought about going home, had the opportunity to go home, and um, I just, I feel like this city really took me in. And to where now, you know, I, I was, for my entire wrestling career, I've been billed from Othello, Washington, which is where I was born, but now I get billed from St. Louis, Missouri, because... This is home. I mean, my son was born here. My my wife is here, and you know, all my friends are here. And so, um, I take a lot of pride in um, being part of this city and being part of the, you know, building wrestling community. And St. Louis is better for it, I think. What would you think? uh, When did you know that wrestling was the way you were going to go? That you had a future in pro wrestling? Was it Ring of Honor? No, ten years old. No, Um, I, I had a. 
not tumultuous, but I, I had a very different childhood. My mom, um, <clears throat> she went to she went to prison when I was a child, and my dad's not been around. So I was raised by my grandparents, and they were fantastic. But you know, they were from an older generation, and I had uh, a lot of anger problems as a, as a child, and um, and and I I never really found my place to to fit in. Um, and, and I, and I, and I loved martial arts. I grew up on like blood sport and I just, I, you know, I always like when I was a kid, I always wanted to fight in a Kumite, you know, and then, and, uh, but there was no martial arts school in, uh, where I grew up and, and I tried other sports. I tried baseball, I tried basketball and I was just horrible and I just kept getting fights at school. And, um, and so the, the wrestling coach took me to, um, to the mats at the high school and it was, I remember it was sweaty and it was in July. No, no, no I'm sorry. It was in June. And, uh, and there was red mats there's, and, um, and there was another kid there who was probably a little bit older than me, but not much. And he was wearing like, he was wearing shirts and a polo shirt. I remember it, you know, and he's like, well, take him down. And I'll never forget like looking in his eyes and being like, I got you. And it was just, and, and right then I knew what I was going to do the rest of my life. And so, I mean, I really, uh, you know, and it, you know, my mom has recovered quite a bit. My mom said something very profound to me uh, one time, and she's like, you know, when I was going to quit before when I got married to Christy Summers, and she was like, you didn't choose wrestling. It chose you, and, and that's, you know, and as my wife now can attest to it, I'm completely obsessed with it. I'm always trying holds on her and making her watch, you know, stuff like that. So it's uh, it's been a part of me since, you know, for a long time. I didn't expect that answer. I'm glad you told that story. Thank you for sharing. Uh, the first time that I think that a lot of the fans in the U.S. at least got to know Davey Richards was when Ring of Honor got the deal with HDNet. And we all saw the American Wolves, you and Eddie Edwards. Yeah. Uh, what is your relationship with Eddie and how did that begin? How did you become one of the most well-known tag teams of that era? Um, my relationship with Eddie has always been great. Um, we're, we're polar opposites, but we balance each other out. He's very calm and relaxed and kind of take it as it comes. And I'm just like neurotic and no, we got to do this. And, you know, so we balance each other out very well and his strengths in wrestling complement my strength. So, um, the way we came about was we wrestled in Japan for pro wrestling Noah for well, at least a couple of years. And, but we never tagged over there or nothing, but you know, through traveling and riding together and we like, we had a lot of the same interests. And I remember we were at the ring of honor show where they were filming that movie, the wrestler. And he was on the pre-show, I think. And he had like dreads and I was like, man, it's Davey boy Smith. And of course, I'm, you know, <laughs> especially at that time, but always, you know, I'm the dynamite kid clone. Yeah. And, uh, so the booker of ring of honor at that time was Gabe Sapolsky, who just then and now has a, brilliant mind for the business you know definitely a, a a strong protege of paul Heyman, and i just kept pitching like man you gotta put us together you gotta put us together you gotta we didn't have a name yet we gotta put us together and gabe was like no because he we, gabe wanted to push me and uh, put the, the world title on me and i was like no man you gotta you know so uh and gabe was 100 percent against it and so but gabe um left got fired whatever i don't know and and, and adam pierce took over and Adam Pierce is the one who I got to give a lot of credit to gave the what would become the American Wolves their shot. Um, so it started there, and then uh, uh, we were part of Larry Sweeney's faction. 
Um, that was the beginning of it, wasn't that it? That was, yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know, I don't, of course, no one knew at the time, you know, how how big the American Wolves was going to get. And we didn't even have a name at that time. I didn't, th- I didn't think of the name until like six months later when I was in England. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, it's something I'm very proud of because we went through multiple organizations and we always kept the same style and for the most part, the same name. So I mean, I feel like we always had enough respect that no one really tried to ever change us too much. And so I think that speaks very highly of the quality of matches we produced. So you guys started as uh, an evil tag team, then you were a good tag team, but then we're in like 2011, Eddie Edwards is the Ring of Honor champion. Yeah. How did you guys mutually handle the the singles uh, portion of your careers? And who pushed for that? Was it, I mean, Gabe me. was gone, right? You... Yeah, me. Yeah. I always wanted Eddie to be champion. Um, it's always been, um, the, the, the mark of a man and the mark of a champion and the mark of a leader is, is to bring the best out of those around him. You know, um, I, this, this, I will forewarn you, this will sound arrogant, but I have found, um, one, if you're going to go out and put your body on the line in spandex, you better believe you're the best in the world. You know, and I think Bret Hart said it best that if you walk out of that curtain thinking you're anything less than the best, you're in the wrong business, you know, cause I know I'd be pretty pissed off if I paid $300 to go see Iron Maiden play and, you know, they walk on stage and they're like, ah, I don't know why we're even here. We're horrible. You know, I want them going out thinking they're the greatest band in the world, you know, or so, you know, so I've always been a proponent and uh, I've always had an abundance of self-belief, you know, and this will sound arrogant as I forewarned, but like I, I, I am the best wrestler in the world. There's no one in that ring that can touch me. Um, and with that being said, it's not about, I don't use that to promote myself. I don't need, I don't need to wear the shiny belts. I've worn all those. Um, but my job and my passion is to help others realize that, you know? And, uh, so I always pushed for Eddie because I saw in him, uh, what I think at the time he couldn't even see in himself, whereas you, you are, you're not Davey's tag partner. You know, you, you are a world champion. You are one of the best. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy for him and I wish it could have lasted longer. I, I'm very happy to have the match with him. I, I don't remember much of it because I got knocked out pretty early in it. The one where you won the title? The one where I kicked his head off his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was a very, that was a, oh man, that was a very emotional match for me. Um, I got knocked out pretty early, which again t- is a testament to how good Eddie Edwards is because he literally carried me through it. And then, uh, but it was a, a very cathartic thing because it was, um, I guess, kind of made my grandparents deaths and me traveling during them uh not for nothing so that belt i know you say that now you don't need belts and you you know how good you are but that had to change something for you right that first ring of that ring of honor title it it, it was validation you know it was i'm so to to tell the complete story is um uh, I won my first wrestling title in Abbotsford, British Columbia, and it was a plastic belt, you know, for, I can't remember the name of the promotion, but, uh, it was my first one, you know, and I was so proud and I was, and I was driving back to show my grandparents like, Hey, I'm making it, I'm doing this. And then I got the word that my grandfather had died. 
So, and then when I was living in Japan, I got the call that my grandmother died. And uh, so I've, I had missed being there at the end uh, because of wrestling, not that I'm blaming it, but, and so for me, so for me to, to win the world title was, um, it was more so about validation than it was about a shiny belt. Um, it was about this, this was for something this from my grandfather timing me to running down the, the driveway doing sprints, get ready for wrestling or, you know, or me and him trying to build this makeshift ring with mattresses out, you know, on, on the side of this barn. It went from that to us selling out the Hammerstein and me winning, you know, this title. So it, it meant something. Um, so that was that was the biggest victory for me. And there's always fluctuations. You're talking about selling out the Hammerstein. Mm -hmm. We also got to see you, though, here in the Midwest. St. Louis Anarchy, I believe. You brought the Ring of Honor Championship. I don't know. if I can't remember if it was defended, but I remember seeing it. Uh, and I got to announce a match of yours in central Illinois for, I think, Pro Wrestling Epic. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't remember if you were wrestling Kazina or Jimmy Jacobs or someone among that caliber. Uh, and I was like, this is going to be freaking amazing. <laughs> we got some of the best wrestlers in the world. And you come out and you go into the custodial closet and you get a vacuum cleaner. I guess you remember this. And you're going to vacuum up the competition. And it's, it's a complete comedy match. And yeah. I was like, what happened? <laughs> how do you determine? First of all, is there a story behind that? But also, how do you oh, determine yeah. who gets the big matches and who gets the comedy matches? Well... So you're very versatile. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I've, I've actually told my, my wife about this and actually my wife and, and my students saw for the first time in West Virginia. So there, there's Davy Richards and everyone knows, you know, Davy Richards, you know, you're, you're getting an athletic hard hitting match, you know, and you know, it's the roller coaster. And, and then there's old DR. And then, uh, so a lot of times back then, and I, I love them, but uh, I, I love them that, uh, that uh, Tony Casino would get me, uh, he would get himself booked on shows by getting me booked on shows and not telling me about it. <laughs> so, uh, like if you go on the internet and type in Davey Richards versus Tony Casino, there's a show somewhere in Illinois where I didn't even have my gear, I just had shorts because he called me up that day. And was like, hey, man, we're wrestling. Where are you? And I was like, oh, shit. I got to go, man. So I get there. And so, you know, I was wrestling a lot. What people don't understand about that point in, in my career was I was a champion in the United States. I was also a champion in New Japan. So, and this is before Ring of Honor and New Japan had a working agreement. So they didn't correlate the dates. So I would go over there for a week fly home, defend the title in Chicago, Ring of Honor, then fly back to Japan. I'm just going back and forth nonstop. And this is Ring of Honor in New Japan. These are very athletic, you know, hard-hitting matches that take a lot out of you. So when I get home from wherever I've been, and then Tony's like, hey, man, I, I got you booked on Sunday at Pro Wrestling Epic or whatever, and I'm like, thanks, Stone. So... I, if this is the place I remember, it was, I think it was a tournament, if I remember correctly. Or there was one of them where it was a tournament. It might have been the Epic Eight, I think is what they called it. Yeah, and they're like, oh, you're going to the finals. And I'm like, 
<laughs> so I'm wrestling three times and I'm like, and I'm just, I'm so beat up. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm beat up. And, you know, so yeah, it kind of became, it, it kind of turned into, you know, comedy. Plus, you know, I don't know. I mean, you kind of got to judge your crowd. And, but I can also look back now and just say, I was burnt out. You know, I mean, you, you can't wrestle that much. And an easy night for me was 20 minutes. You know, and that was an easy night, you know, and then, you know, I went from like Hammerstein Ballroom to the Chicago Fieldhouse to Cork and Hall to Sumo Hall to Hammerstein to, you know, where, you know, Philadelphia Armory, you know, like these are predominant shows. And then you had TV tapings and then you had Japan pay-per-views and it was just like, it was like Davey produce, Davey produce, Davey produce. And, uh, you know, I was just, I was beat up. So, you know, when those shows came along and I, and, and if, if you're, if you're watching out there, I apologize and let me book me again. I'll give you your money's worth a little <laughs> bit more, but hopefully they were entertained, but I was just so beat up, man. I think they were, you know, it was just afterward. I was thinking, well, yeah, work smarter, not harder. Right. At these small shows. It. I mean, but I, I, before then I didn't think about that. I was like, we're going to see Davy Richards coming off the top of the <laughs> yeah. flying knees. It's going <laughs> to yeah. be crazy. Um, you mentioned your work uh, as a paramedic, yeah. uh, and during your time with St. Louis Anarchy and maybe other companies around the St. Louis area as well, five or six years ago, mm -hmm. you missed a lot of dates, had to pull out at the last moment, and, it, and you know Matt Jackson would say, you know, he's got important obligations, he's got EMS. Uh, tell us about uh, pulling out of those dates and priorities. Uh, well... I Point out a lot of those dates was one. Uh, one of the problems was Tony would get me booked, and then <laughs> it's tell me. Again, huh? Well, that was part of it. You know, he would get me booked, and then I would realize like, oh, well, you didn't tell me that. I'm already booked somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, two, being the champion, you got a lot of like, not last minute, but very short notice obligations. And then uh, three, you know, I was beat up. I mean, I, I can look back at it now and be honest, but my, my, I had some really bad knee problems, um, that were, you know, started in college and just, you know, eventually ended up with seven knee surgeries. I can't remember how many, a lot, but you know, so I was beat up, you know, really bad. And, um, you know, so, and yeah, I, I was going to school full time to be a paramedic and then, um, so, uh, but I look back now and I was just burnt out, you know, I was a. You, you know, and wrestling is one of those things where it's, you know, it's easy to say, well, just take it easy or, you know, but, you know, in wrestling, you, you never know when the opportunities are going to end. You know what I mean? So you really want to take advantage of all those opportunities and not knowing how to pace myself as I do now. Um, I just kind of took on more than I could handle physically and mentally. So was that the reason for your eventual departure from ring of honor it was, didn't seem to be too amicable they kind of blasted you on twitter i don't know who was behind that they said you were unprofessional or unreliable or something like that yeah um well so i can look back now and you know i was i was caught in an ideological or ideological battle between cornet and hunter uh, delirious and they so, were both with ring of honor at that time yeah right? and they were co-bookers which has always worked out great in the past <laughs> for any wrestling company <laughs> right. but i was cornet's boy you know as people went in and steam was them and we were we we were used you know me and kevin were always good friends and then we really got into it and and then only years later realized like wait you didn't say that 
no, I didn't say that. And then we kind of like, oh, I see. We were pawns. And, um, and then uh, I was just, you know, really trying to, I was getting a lot of heat on both ends from New Japan and Ring of Honor because I am trying to do both. And New Japan wanted me just to be there full time. And Ring of Honor wanted me to be there full time. Or if not full time, they wanted me to like put them as like precedence. And it's like, well, okay, you know, Ring of Honor, I helped build my name. New Japan is a much bigger company. I'm getting paid more. So I'm like, you know, at one point, I'm Ring of Honor world champion. And I bought my own flight to Ring of Honor from Tokyo because we just had to get me there. And no one would pay for it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it was very, very different back then. And, you know, I mean... Uh, I was in a much different place. You know, I was not appreciative of the, the talent I had in wrestling. I was, quite frankly, I was arrogant, you know. Was, and and I didn't handle things in a very professional beca- way because, you know, I, I, knew, I knew I was the best. You know what I mean? And I know all you got to do is put me in the ring and I, everyone's going to want to use me and blah, blah, blah. And it, But, you know, and that's one part of it. But it, there's so much more just... I was a very poor leader. You know, I can admit that now. There were some things that happened that I don't agree with, like us being pawns in this ideological value or battle, pardon me. Um, but I can look back now and say I, I was not a good leader, as I should have been. Well, around the same time, Eddie Edwards also leaves Ring of Honor. Mm-hmm. And things really look up for you guys whenever you appear on NXT against, I think, the NXT Tag Champions at the time, the Ascension. Mm-hmm. Derek Billington. Oh, there's a dynamite kid homage mm-hmm. for you. Uh, and uh, what was what was Eddie's name? Cahill? Jacob Cahill or something? Yeah, you guys only know. appeared once. What yeah. happened? So... So again, I didn't grow up watching WWF, so it, it was never a goal of mine to go there. And uh, did they and, seek you out? Yes, uh, quite a few times actually. Um, and I, it's funny because I was actually taking my final test for paramedic school, and uh, Canyon Seaman, the guy who did the talent, whatever he did there, um, reached out and they're like, "Yeah, we want to bring you guys in, and we're just going to do a quick two week camp, and you guys are going to go on SmackDown." And uh, and we're like, okay, well, that might work because Eddie is adamant about not leaving Boston, which I understand. He grew up there. His family's there. You know what I mean? He was so – us moving to Florida was like, no, which is perfectly fine with me because I can barely handle these St. Louis summer. So Florida, I would just freaking die. So we uh, we go down there, and um, it's we're in this like that – those tryout camps they do. But it was weird because we were helping coach. You know, we – or, and then we did an exhibition match. Like they had the guys like here, this is what wrestling should look like. And it was me and Eddie wrestling each other. So it was really weird. And then we had this match <clears throat> and, uh, you know, and the match was whatever, you know? And, and then we just, um, we, we, we were told that we were going to SmackDown, but they wanted us to move down there. And that was like, mm, to was, Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's just not going to happen. And at the same time, I, I just got my paramedic license and really did want to and still love to work as a paramedic. You know, I, I love it. You know, it's something I really enjoy. And uh, and so obviously that's not going to happen when you're in WWE. Um, so at the same time, TNA reached out, Dave Lagana, who had previously written TV for Ring of Honor. And like, hey, we want to bring you guys in. Here's the schedule. It's much more conducive. And the money was good. And... Uh, 
So that was just a much better fit for us and for them because, you know, WIB, like I totally understand. They want people who are, that is their life and they are committed solely to WIB. And I totally understand that. And that's just never going to be me. You know, that's just, you know, I, I don't, I don't like wrestling on TV. Uh, I, I hate it. You know what I mean? I don't like wrestling four or five minute matches. I like to wrestle at least 15, if not 20. That's just the way I wrestle, you know, so, and that's not conducive for them. So I totally understand. And, and I'm, I've never said a bad thing about them. You know, they're, they're, they, we were treated great. We were treated very professionally, um, you know, very respectful. Um, it just, it just, that's not what we are looking for. So, and we both parties have gone their separate ways and done just fine so win-win you and eddie had a great time a great tenure in tna mm -hmm. as the tag team champions a second run a second career as a tag team there mm -hmm. uh and it culminated with yet another davy versus eddie feud <laughs> uh at the end a full metal mayhem yeah. were you satisfied with how your run went and how you guys went yeah. out yeah i was uh, i was very happy with everything um you know, a after that feud, I could tell that my time there was was limited, both by my own choice and I think by theirs. Um, so it was definitely time for me to leave wrestling for a little bit. And you said that you wanted to go and become a doctor mm -hmm. uh, and you were going to school for that. Mm -hmm. Did you become a doctor? I am currently in the process, but it's looking good. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. So uh, congrats on that. But and you're coming back to wrestling now. Yeah, so I, uh, uh, so I, when I blew my ACL out in Birmingham, England, with TNA, I when I got better, I went to Fire Academy, St. Louis County Fire Academy. This is 2017, right? Yes, yes, maybe 20, yeah, but around that time. So, uh, and then I got offered a job by Richmond Heights Fire Department, and uh, so I took that. I mean, I needed some time off rest. I was so beat up, you know, and I needed an another knee surgery, of course. And I was just burnt out, you know, and uh, and so I took a few years off and uh, worked as a, a firefighter paramedic for Richmond Heights and then for Melville uh, Fire Protection District and then uh, started going back to school. And then um, finally, um, I had my last knee surgery and I, me and my wife went to California and I and right after the surgery, I was like, dude, I'm back. I'm back. I can do what I want to do again. And, you know, and then. Uh, Still didn't really think about going back to pro wrestling because I accomplished all my goals, you know, and I was like, so we were watching uh, Cobra Kai and there's that scene where Johnny's watching Iron Eagle and he says, you know, God doesn't give people things, you know, he doesn't want them to use. And, you know, my, my wife is far more intelligent than she gets credit for, you know, and she, she, she knows me better than I know myself and she kind of gives me the look and she's like, you need to go back. And, you know, so between... You know, Johnny Lawrence and uh, that show and my wife, you know, it was like, it's, it's, you know, it, it's time to go back and, and, you know, do this my way. And and, and it's, everything is just unbelievably fallen into place since. Here in St. Louis, you call out Minoru Suzuki at the South Broadway Athletic Club. You guys had a hell of a match uh, with him coming out on top after the pile driver. Uh, awesome, awesome match. First time ever in the ring with Suzuki, yeah? Uh, and singles, yes. We we didn't tags in Japan, but singles, yes. And he's very hard to get a singles match with in Japan because it's so prestigious. So it was, a, it was a big honor for me. Major League Wrestling picked you up real quick. Mm -hmm. uh, the Opera Cup tournament. Mm -hmm. As of now, you're past the first round. I am. Uh, this is a this is a big event. This yep. comes from uh, Stu Hart's legacy. Yep. The Opera Cup tournament, which is really great for me because I grew up watching Stampede Wrestling. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I'm very happy with MLW. You know, I. I Offers from 
a few different companies, and uh, I'm really happy with MLW. All right. So I want to talk. I want to end on team ambition because that's the the present and the future. But before we get there, I warned you. We want the maddest, the baddest, the saddest. Your wrestling <laughs> horror story from the locker room, the road, or oh, the ring. So, what do you have today? Oh, how much time do you got? So they all revolve around Tony <laughs> Kazina. So people don't know Tony Kazina. He's the sweetest human being alive. Who is also the craziest man alive. So um, I'll give you a couple. So. Here's the first one. So when, when I was very, <laughs> how I met Tony Casina actually. So I, just, I, I got trained by Paul Orndorff down in Atlanta and then I done my four week or four month camp, pardon me. And I come back to Washington and I'm driving up to Canada all the time to train with uh, what was called ECCW um, up in British Columbia. And the trainer up there, Michelle Starr was like, Hey, you know, uh, Tony Kazina has a school in Portland, which was closer to my house. And at the time, Tony was like NWA World Junior Weight Champion. Like, oh, man. So go down there. I was told to be there at like 9 a.m., whatever. And uh, and it's at this uh, swap meet where there's a wrestling ring. And I'm waiting. I'm like, man, it's 930. What the hell is everybody? And, <laughs> and all of a sudden, I see this old, old beat-up Ford F-150 with a lawnmower in the back just flying down the road. There's grass flying everywhere. Is you know, heavy metal blasted. And then uh, they pull up. And then the, the, the truck shuts off and then uh, the, the door opens, the, the door opens. And, uh, but, but and when I see feet hit the ground, the guy's head disappears. I'm like, where is this guy? It shuts the door and it was Tony Kazina. I didn't know he was like five foot three. So we go in there and then he falls asleep on the ring. Uh, so then, and then, so later getting to a more uh, horror story, uh, me and Tony are driving to uh, Hayward, California, which is like San Francisco area. And we're driving back through the night. Uh, you know, it's like an eight-hour drive or whatever. And, uh, and I'm half asleep, you know, and Tony's just zonked out. And we both had Diet Pepsis, you know, and uh, Tony chewed at the time. So he drank his Diet Pepsi and was using it as a spit cup. And I'm half asleep. So I go, I go for mine. But I grab his and I drink it. I'm like, whoa, what the hell? And Tony felt so bad. Ugh. Uh, the last one I'll tell about Tony is, <clears throat> so Tony's idol, we had two idols in wrestling, Ric Flair and Terry Funk, which, you know, good idols to have. So me and Tony are wrestling somewhere in North Carolina, I think Gastonia, North Carolina, a small show. And, uh, but Terry Funk was on the show and, uh, Terry Funk was the main event, of course, against someone. And me and Tony were in a tag match as the semi-main event. So... You know, we go and we, we do our tag match and we're back in the locker room and we shower and we're talking like, oh man, you know, like that went well or this didn't go well. And then Terry Funk went and did his match and he goes back and showers. <laughs> and so Terry Funk walks out of his shower butt naked and just puts his foot on the bench right by Tony, just completely Captain Morgan's. I mean, he's like, well, kid, what do you think? <laughs> and like Tony goes, it was a good match, sir. And he just sits there and talks to him. And Tony's dick's like right in Tony's face. And then Terry Funk walks away and Tony just goes, that was my idol. <laughs> and there's like this long pause and he goes, why is this happening to me? And I just freaking lost it. And then Tony got all pissed off at me. Like, what did I do? So, uh, hey man, never meet your idols. You know? Yeah, what man. You, you he actually said that. He's really? like, well, I guess I should never meet my idols. I hope I never meet Flair. Oh <laughs> no, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah, don't meet Flair. 
Um, Davey, uh, it's all about team ambition nowadays. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the match with Suzuki, when you came out, they were all in your corner. I yep. thought that was an amazing visual. Yep. I'm very familiar with, I, th I think, just about all of those guys now mm -hmm. and girls. Um, such great mm -hmm. talents in the ring. Uh, any future world champions in the bunch? Multiple. Yeah, um, yeah they are. I, you know, it's just from, from, from outlaw to, to, to technical difficulties, to no role models, to, to, to war horse, you know, I mean, I, I, I had a very cool, I, so I'm, I'm a wrestler at MLW, but I'm also, I work as an agent there and uh, I get to agent, you know, war horse's next match. And I'm very excited for him. And I just, I was like, you know, I'm not your trainer. I'm not above you, but I'm very proud of you. And he was like, you know, I really see you as a mentor. So we have a very, a very deep bond, you know, or they really feel like family. And then we, we, you know, they've been over to my house, you know I mean? They met my family. So we have a very strong thing and, you know, and there's people there with like, you know, like outlaws is really talented. You know what I mean? Like, you know, <clears throat> you know, Nelson who wrestles as Camaro, you know, he's just so talented and, and they, they, we got some big things planned, you know, and not only, you know, for us wrestling other promotions, but 2022 is going to be a, big year for st louis wrestling um it's really cool now that everywhere i go people are asking you know like man what's going on st louis can i come out there can i get booked and i, I feel sorry for dan from glory pro because he's got to deal with the licensing for all these people and i just go yeah just talk to dan so you know we have some really you know some really talented people you know like drew from you know no role models you know eli is going to be he's already big but you know I mean, he's going to be you know very popular and so you know and i i really think uh tootie is is we're at the very genesis of her you know i am really excited to come back and do this you know podcast in two years and it, none of it will be about me it'll be about them it'll be about like man tootie's champion here and war horse is here and you know camaro just got signed and that's what i want you know i want to see our school uh, build. I want to see our, the wrestling community here build. So it's um, and, and everything's looking up. So I'm very fortunate to be not the leader of it, but a part of it. Yeah, ATM and Eli Rossi, the, the, they're making strides as tag Absolutely. team champions in Cape Girardeau. Tootie Lynn, she had a rocky moment at the chase at, at the NWA in power mm -hmm. at the very end against uh, Chelsea Green. And I, I remember all of the ladies were up on the stage. And, you know, they were taking a bow and, like, raising their arms. But she was in the front row hugging her family, you know. Yeah. And I thought that was very much kind of like a, a, a rocky moment. She was the one that everyone was cheering for in that ballroom. Yeah, because, you know. One of the only locals on the show. Yeah, and, and that's, and, that, and, and this, this is, you know, that's why we always, you know, hashtag it, you know, that this is our city, mm -hmm. you know. And, and our goal is to not only... We have the ambition to come from not such great beginnings, but have we have the ambition to make it. But we also have a lot of pride in representing our city and showing them that we are the best wrestlers in the world. And I, and I, I believe we'll do it. Amen to that. Davey, I know you're on Twitter. How can the fans follow you on social media? Uh, you can follow me at Richards Wesley on Twitter and for all my wrestling and struggles with technology. Uh, my Instagram is run by a hacker. And he does a great job, so I don't even bother him about it anymore. One less thing for me to do. Uh, Facebook, yeah, so yeah, he, 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 yeah. My Instagram got taken over by some hacker guy who's like in is he in India or South Africa? I can't remember, but he does a great job. 
he, he promotes me way better than I promoted myself. Or promoted myself, and he doesn't want me to pay him anything. So I let him have it. Good deal. Uh, yeah, and then uh, yeah, but Twitter is the main thing. I'm on there all the time, retweeting a lot of stuff, um, and and a lot about um, <clears throat> you know um, the St. Louis wrestling scene, but more so than following me. I sh- would love to have these people follow uh, Glory Pro, St. Louis Anarchy, Wrestle Max, and the St. Louis uh, wrestling scene. And some of the great wrestlers we have in it, which we talked about earlier in this podcast. So if you want to follow me, that's great. Thank you very much. But please, I implore you, follow the St. Louis wrestling scene because we're building something very special here. Yeah, and if I can put myself over for just a moment, I don't know if you've heard, I'm a little more active on Twitter now. I know I know what you're thinking. It's a little scary. But just go ahead and follow me at the Ben Simon, and also the show at Grandel Wrestle. That's on Twitter. On Instagram, we're Grandel Wrestling. Today's show was produced by Joey O'Farrell, as always. Our engineer is Logan Perez. We're at Mid Coast Media here in Midtown St. Louis. Hit up Chris Denman, the owner, if you want to uh, get involved and record your show here at this wonderful facility. Davey, thank you so much for being with me here today. Oh, thank you I very much for having it. me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, until next time, for the Grandel Wrestling Podcast, this is Ben Simon saying so long from the Show Me State.